What's up, everybody, and fucking welcome to episode number 42 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. And if you hadn't been able to tell from the intro, this is not a family-friendly pod... Family-friendly? Oh, my God, that's racist. <laughs> family-friendly podcast. Um, I'm Josh Cannon. I'm here with Mike, my loyal, trusty sidekick. And um, we're two guys who have strong opinions on things. And that's about yep. as far as it goes. There's not a whole lot of uh, facts or scientific evidence here. So if we say something that offends you or you don't find accurate, then just take it in the form of entertainment, which is really what this podcast is supposed to be anyway. How's it going, Mike? How's your week been? <laughs> it's been really good, actually. Um, I've actually been making a lot of progress recently. I had my first job interview in years today. Uh, I went and, and did an interview at a local Walmart. I didn't get the job, but I made such a great first impression that the manager is going to speak to other managers to see if they can give me another job in a different area. Uh, the job I, I applied for and I went in an interview for was grunt work, you know, going out and uh, unloading the truck and oh. stocking, you know, shelves and stuff like that. Ultimately, I did not really think that was best for me, but I'm like, I'm at the point where at now where I'm like, I'll take an interview and I'll take a job. So it's like, I'm not really that picky anymore, but apparently it made a good first impression. And also the interview went really great. I mean, I had not taken an interview or done an interview in a long time and it was just very natural. I wasn't freaked out. I wasn't nervous or anything. So I think that'll uh, pay off in the future because then I'll do that more. Uh, you know, if I go to do another interview, then I'll have actually actually have had an interview recently, so I know how to handle it. You know, it's fun. Did they ask you that stupid ass fucking question that every employer asks uh, an interviewee? Uh, so, so what? Why do you want this job, or what? What brings you to Walmart no. in particular? No. Oh, thank God. That is. That was always. I wish they would get rid of that question, honestly, because that is the stupidest question in the world. Because it's it like, is. Well, dipshit. Um, I don't have money right now, and you guys are willing to give me money for services I'm going to render to you. So, um, yeah, that's really. And you're the only one in my area hiring, so that's what I feel I can bring to uh, Walmart is my desperate need for money and you having money to give me. <laughs> you dumbass. Why do you think I want the job? You know, God. Well, I mean, the stuff that he asked me though, I liked. He asked like, uh, are there any instances of customer service? You know, you went when you went out of your way to help somebody. And then I mentioned that I actually did when I was working at AMC. I went and helped this uh, guy who was uh, distraught because he had lost his wallet in the theater. And I was about to go on my break, but I decided to stay a little bit longer to help him search for his wallet. And I found it, and he gave me a giant bear hug, and I remember that. And also, I actually like working with people. I, I like working with customers. I haven't had that many bad experiences with the customers because the majority of my experiences with the customers were actually good. The bad experiences I had were with coworkers or with management. That's what I had, you know, or corporate. Um, so I'm one of those people that understands the customer is not mad at me. They're mad at the situation. Uh, yes. It just comes across as, as they're mad at me. And 
the worst thing you can do as a customer service representative is to take that personally. And that'll just make your job even more frustrating or even more of a, a chore than it already is. And it doesn't have to be. It's all about the mindset. If you're going into your customer service job, you're like, I hate my job. I hate the customers. They all suck. They're all horrible. Then you're, that's how it's going to be because you're going to focus most of your mindset and most of your mind power, so to speak, on how how bad the customers are going to be today. Yeah, I mean, it's all that's about all you're your, gonna remember. Yeah, it's all about your inner mood. Um, I, I remember back when I worked at CVS Pharmacy, uh, just as a cashier, and uh, I, I mean, I did that for six years. And I was like the worst job ever. Um, historically, <laughs> it's the worst job as far as like any kind of uh, opportunity for pay raises or anything. There was actually yeah. an article that came out recently, which explained to the world something that I already knew to be true: is that at CVS you get a, a, a raise cap of 2% a year of what you make. So that came, it comes out to something around like 15 cents or 20 cents raise, something like that a year. It's insulting. And they say, oh, well, that's... Well, that's like the movie theater. You know, the, oh, there's really? not a lot of opportunity for a raise from what I noticed when I was there and, and AMC. And I think part of why they ended up letting me go or firing me was also that it was like 10 cent I was going to be had a 10 cents raise I was up for a 10 cent raise and I guess since I was not in management yet they didn't really want to do that and, and that was my first full-time job so there were a lot of things that now I would have lo- I, I would realize that okay it might be time for me to quit because it seems like they're trying to set me up for something or I would have actually stood up for myself more and would have not I would not have waited for the managers to fix the situation I would have been like all right, you're telling me I, I'm better off as an usher. Uh, then let's let's get this taken care of. Uh, let's switch shifts tomorrow. Let's do something. I'll go back as an usher. You, you think I'm valuable there. I like working here. So let's, let's get this worked out. But that's not really what happened. So it, it's just one of those things. It's, you know, I, I was a newbie. I need I didn't have experience on those kind of things. Well, that whole, um, but, that, whole system, now I do. that whole system is a business model, actually. The capping you at uh, only being able oh, to yeah. a certain amount. They want, they, they want you to quit so they can just hire somebody else who's more yeah. hungrier, who's willing uh-huh. to do it for that cheap amount of money. It's, yeah. it's to kind of weed out the people who have been there too long because they're hoping that the people who have been there a long time are going to be like, fuck this, I'm not making any money. They'll leave, they'll get someone else in there who isn't yeah. going to be as ambitious to you know be like hey you know give me some more shit i've been here for a while and you see, see my situation right now i'm just like give me a job yeah because well, i mean I, I have you know i'm gonna go back to school but i would like to get some money before i do that you know an extra yeah. money in my pocket you know in my savings account so yeah and I, i'm I've sick of sitting there. around the house so <laughs> dude honestly i i wish I mean, I can't really afford it with my, the new house and everything, but God, I wish I had like at least one or two extra days off than what I have yeah. now. I could get so much more shit done. Like I'm barely able to get anything done now. Anything I am able to get done is always like a, an amazing feat in my opinion. Yeah. And speaking of that, that's why this podcast is delayed. It's my fault. I apologize. Uh, just had busy, 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 busy with going I uh, had a full day on Thursday just going in and doing stuff with my parents. I went to WSU Vancouver campus, the campus, and I set up my advisor appointment with my advisor, which I'm going to go in and do this Tuesday, you know, next Tuesday. 
Um, and uh, I got the call from Walmart that day. And so today, you know, I had to go on and do an interview with Walmart. And on Wednesday, I did the job fair. Thursday, I think, no, it was Wednesday. I did Wednesday, I did the job fair at Goodwill, which is where I met the people that were hiring at, at the local Walmart. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm hoping that uh, because the lady that I met with at the job fair, she knows the guy that I talk with talk with today. That maybe they'll get something going. Uh, I won't know back. No, I won't know anything until Monday or Tuesday because they aren't going to be able to call me back and get all the information ready until that time. So I'm just waiting for a phone call. Really, I'm not going to apply for another job until. Yeah, I, I I like the fact that it's closer, and I could just walk there. And you should have asked her if she was a fan of unsolved mysteries. <laughs> and if she well, was, be like, oh, I just so happened to be the co-host of a very popular podcast. And we're also on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> then she's be like, wait a second, you're making money off Patreon? Why the fuck do you need this job? And then you could be like, ma'am, why did you swear at me? And then you could like have some litigation kind of thing. You could make money through lawsuits. <laughs> okay, this has gone on about long enough for probably most people's desire. Although we could probably keep bullshitting longer if we want to. Um, uh, I, I, my week was, uh, yeah, just busyness, gigs, bullshit. Although I did ride my bike for the first time around my new neighborhood. And man, what an underrated experience that is. Just riding your bike with the wind blowing through your hair. So riding your bicycle. 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 Yeah, exactly. Um, that was so fun. I want to ride my bike. Went through my hair. As Mike <laughs> sang the soundtrack to uh, to old Queen ride song. my bicycle. I want to ride my bike. Bicycle. Bicycle. Yep, and the people are tuning out at an alarming rate. I hear them tuning out, even though <laughs> this is hasn't even been released yet as of us recording it right now. I can preemptively hear it. Um, no, I don't know. I, I could go but into People my, don't like Queen? <laughs> no, they, they just, they're like, what the fuck? I like the podcast. I really wanted to like it, but they just take too long with the chit chat and just get to the story already. Fine, damn it. That's what we're doing. How about we get to the men in black? <laughs> so much singing. Here uh, come the men in black. Men in black. Um, anyway, it's fun. So we want you guys to have fun. So we're having fun. Hopefully you it's guys. Friday, are fun. motherfucker. You you don't got to work for at least the next three days with the Easter and all that. So chill out. <laughs> Damn. Well, okay. Anyway, saying, you know. So. Uh, we have the Men in Black, which actually is not just a movie starring Tom Lee Jones and Will Smith. Uh, apparently, there are some theories out there, and people have said that they've actually seen the real Men in Black. Well, you know, the movie had to be based off something, you know what I mean? It was actually based on a comic book. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, the comic book had to be based off something. Yeah, it probably is based off the Men in Black side. Well, you, you're like, well, you know, the comic book was based off a, a newspaper cartoon. Well, you know, the newspaper cartoon had to be based off of something. And then an hour <laughs> into this, we get to like the beginning of time. Anyway. So in popular culture and UFO conspiracy theories, Men in Black, the MIB, are supposed men dressed in black suits claiming to be government agents who harass or threaten UFO witnesses to keep them quiet about what they may have seen. It is sometimes implied that they may be aliens themselves. 
The term is also frequently used to describe mysterious men working for unknown organizations, as well as various branches of government allegedly designed to protect secrets or perform other strange activities. The term is generic, used for any unusual, threatening, or strangely behaved individual whose appearance on the scene can be linked in some fashion with a UFO sighting. Several alleged encounters with the men in black have been reported by UFO researchers and enthusiasts, and we will be discussing a couple of those in the podcast. UFOlogists are talking about how the men in black figure prominently in UFOlogy and UFO folklore. In the 1950s and the 1960s, UFOlogists uh, adopted a conspiratorial mindset and began to fear that they would be subject to organized intimidation and retaliation for discovering the truth of UFOs. In 1947, Harold Dahl claimed to have been warned not to talk about his alleged UFO sighting on Maury Island by a man in a dark suit. In the mid-1950s, the ufologist Albert K. Bender claimed that he was visited by men in dark suits who threatened and warned him not to, continuing, not to continue investigating UFOs. Bender believed the men in black were secret government agents tasked with suppressing evidence of UFOs. Are you sure you weren't on a bender, Albert? And that's why you thought you saw some people. Maybe it was like just some Jehovah's Witnesses knocking at your door. You just assumed that they were or, or some men like, in black. Some like Muslims or something with the, the, the bow tie and the suit, you know? The ufologist John Keel claimed to have had encounters with the men in black and referred to, the, referred to them as demonic supernaturals. That's quite the word. That's quite the word pairing. Quite the with job. dark skin and or exotic facial features. And according to ufologist Jerome Clark, reports of men in black represent experiences that don't seem to have occurred in the world of consensus reality. Try staying ufologist and then all of this other stuff. I mean, uh, forgive me for... <laughs> oh, no, you've done better than what I would have done. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> uh, so historian Aaron Goulas wrote during the 1970s, 1980s, and 1990s that UFO conspiracy theorists would incorporate the men in black into their increasingly complex and paranoid visions. And in his article, Gray Barker, My Friend, the Mythmaker, John C. Sherwood claims that in the late 1960s, at the age of 18, he cooperated with Gary Barker and urged him to develop a hoax, which Barker subsequently published about what Barker called Black Men, three mysterious UFO inhabitants who silenced Sherwood's pseudonymous, pseudonymous identity, Dr. Richard H. Pratt. Black Men, really? That's racist. <laughs> so anyway, so this is a segment that was on uh, a later season of Unsolved Mysteries in 1997. Uh, and it's on the box set. Yes. And on the UFOs box set that you can get separately, which happens to be the easiest one and the most uh, cheapest one you can get of the Unsolved Mysteries DVD sets. That's fucking surprising given how shitty the Miracles one was. Yeah, I know. You would think the Miracles one would be the easiest one since it's not really the best set. But yeah, that's one of the hardest ones to get along with uh, Strange Legends. So this segment featured uh, interviews with two people, uh, a man and a woman who claimed to have seen or encountered the Men in Black. The first one was uh, Ray Munez. And he was a man who claimed to have encountered aliens many different times and actually set up his own uh, public access show 
on local television. Uh, something it was kind of something like the UFO report or something like that. Now, what kind of loser goes out and starts some kind of like like just low grade show talking about yeah. paranormal stuff and mysterious things and you know just does it maybe from their bedroom you know and you know you'd have to be a pretty big loser to do a show about that and maybe some of your facts aren't always correct and you offend people sometimes and <laughs> i mean oh, you'd have I to see be where this is going <laughs> you'd have to be a pretty big loser so i don't know what this ray guy was thinking but i me and mike would never do anything like that yeah as the crickets chirp <clears throat> So, Ray received a video from a person who said that the video showed a UFO in the sky. And they actually showed the video in the segment. And it looks like one of your typical sort of like maybe UFO videos, but it might just be a plane or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but apparently this caused some controversy because a few days later, a mysterious group of unknown individuals known as the Men in Black – arrived at Ray's workplace and he worked as a auto mechanic or he worked as a detailer. He worked on uh, doing stuff with cars, which is kind of crazy. He's like a car guy. And then on his free time, he's obsessed with UFOs and hosts some show. Well, they show a picture of him during the segment uh, that he was kind of like a local celebrity in that, in that paranormal world. And it's got him like with this, uh, you know, with some some black slacks on and this like dress shirt, and he's like standing in front of this nice car, and he looks like you know, like like a wannabe uh, Art Bell or some you know some yeah. uh, coast to coast AM you know like kind of guy. Like he, it was kind of comical because he was he was taking himself very seriously in the picture, but it looked just very yeah. corny. So he says that the men in black arrived at his his workplace, asked him to go to a building to give him a document. And they gave him this document, and it looked like something from the IRS, but there was something fishy about it. It didn't really look like it was an official document. He returned to his home, and he found that his house had apparently been searched by the Men in Black. However, the video, surprisingly, was still in the home. How he knows that the Men in Black are the ones that did it, I don't know. It could have been just some random burglar. Uh, Also, this is the one – the other – witness that's interviewed seems a little bit more credible to me because he already seems like he has i don't you know a little bit of a bias because he's a ufo guy right he hosts some show on public access i mean he has a lot to gain by just making up some crazy story about getting involved with the men in black and and, and seeing them and and they were searched his house and so on well the, the, uh, i want to talk about the segment just a little bit because this was like later on in unsolved mysteries and and you can tell by i don't like the i i do not care for the way this segment is shot yeah for the they most shot part. it they shot it a lot differently you can definitely tell this is later on in the show because it's uh they they show like the reenactment of him in his uh in his garage of this uh you know detailing place that he works at and it's uh it's almost like the frame rate is cut in half to give this real choppy choppy movement you know kind of thing like it's and then it starts slowing down 
Yeah, and it's and it's real like uh, overexposed, like the film. So it's real white. I hate wa- that. I hated out. that. Yeah, I hated that so much. This overexposure and it just all this just white blinding light. And I'm guessing just... they did it like that to make the Men in Black look even more faceless and, and featureless, which they kind of did. And they like all showed up in these black trench coats and these hats and these sunglasses and. They're like, uh, yeah, they give him a paper and he's like, is this, a, am I being audited? And the guy, and the guy, the men in black, he just kind of like grins and he looks at the other guys and he goes, just show up. And so, he, you know, the guy gets all of his, his, uh, tax shit together and he goes to this building that he assumes is the IRS. And they're like, um, they're like, uh, thank you. You can go now. And he's like, well, well aren't you going to check my papers? I brought all this stuff. And they look up and he go, no, thank you. You can go now. And and it's at that point that he goes home and he realized that it was a, a diversionary tactic. They just wanted him away from his house at that time so they could. But I mean, like, the, the thing is, it's like, oh, so they could search for the tape, which they could not find. I mean, I just kind of find that kind of bogus. Oh, another, <laughs> I mean, another detail I should mention about the segment. He, according to Ray, he, when he's looking at the letter, uh, he looks up and they're gone. Like, he didn't hear them leave, he didn't see them leave, they show up, they hand him this letter, they chuckle at him, and then he looks up and, and they're gone, they're just gone. So, that, you know, it's, it's a, this guy's recounting a tale at this point, we don't know, you know there's nothing yeah. to substantiate that, but, well, and I don't know, too, the fact that he is It's still interesting. Yeah, it's still interesting, I mean, if it's true. Yeah, I don't know if it is, but I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't, yeah, I mean, like you said, predisposed. He's predisposed to this type of thing, so it, it, there's a reason to have some doubts. Yeah. Um, the next one, uh, the the last, the second person who was interviewed, this seems a little bit more credible to me because she's on the outside. She's not into UFOs, as far as we know, anyway. And this is just something that she ended up encountering on her travels. This one, uh, this one just seems ridiculous to me. It fun. does seem ridiculous as well. So, I mean, a lot of these are kind of ridiculous, this Men in Black sightings. They probably could have had maybe more credible, like some of those ufologists that I mentioned on the Wikipedia page, or um, expanded it a bit more. It kind of, you know, it was an interesting topic i i just felt like this felt kind of like filler for a certain episode it was a little bit of filler i mean they could have tied it into the mothman uh thing a little yeah, bit because they're actually I'd, i'd heard things about the, the men in black being sighted around uh the bridge and things like that well yeah when the, the mothman, mothman sightings were, were really going around point pleasant west virginia there's a lot of people who showed up in suits you know who, yeah who were who were essentially just trying to silence the uh dispersion of information and to just scare people you know scare people into keeping their mouths shut and stuff so that was something that was mentioned in the mothman episode yeah, but they never really got in depth, you know, no. about what who the men in black were. So I guess they figured it was worth doing a whole segment on, which, again, I find this segment great. It's better than any miracle segment. Yeah, you know, or, absolutely. Or it, it's just love. I, I wouldn't say I would say it's good. If you compare it to something like uh, the Allagash abductions or some of these other UFO Odyssey or some of these other ones, it's not as great as those. But it's still a good segment. I'm glad it's on the box set. And uh, there's some other stuff that they also interviewed a couple skeptics who honestly said a lot of the things that I was thinking. 
like, oh, they could, they might not really be aliens. Uh, that's probably an unlikely thing. It's probably these uh, government types who are trying to get people to silence uh, themselves or, you know, be quiet about, hush up about uh, what they've seen and so on. All right, so, you know, you had me there for a little bit. Now you're going to go around saying skeptics are denying the existence of aliens. Now I'm pissed. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like it. Yeah, this guy could be full of shit, but I don't know. I, I, I just, uh, I, 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 cling to, I cling to aliens. Well, I mean, I mean, if it is aliens, if it is an alien that's masquerading well, as a human about, being. Talk about the second story. Why second. would they not be able to find the tape? <laughs> talk about the second uh, the second. So the incident. second story uh, is uh, from Colette, Colette Peters. Uh, she's from New York, New York, and she's a figure skater who apparently w- witnessed some UFO type of phenomena. Uh, I don't really see how it's UFO phenomenon. I think that's just uh, something that the wiki added there to make it more sound punchy, sound more punchy. And uh, because I don't remember hearing in this that she saw a UFO. But anyway, when she was 19, Colette was in New York City, walking around, walking on the street in the city, and she saw this strange man who was dressed like a man in black. It was the suit and the tie and the hat. And she's I remember this detail where she's like, I felt this presence of evil. And I turn around and then I see this man in black who has no apparent facial hair or imperfect features. He's got, you know, a face that kind of looks like it's plastic, kind of made out of plastic, uh, very smooth, unnatural looking. And he passes her. She said he didn't tell her a word didn't say anything. And then she believes he was the men in, one of the men in black. Now, I, now I said it. This one is more credible, but maybe it's because it was just a little bit less detailed. But at the same time, it could be less credible than the first guy, than Ray, because there isn't much here. It's just I saw this guy who looked weird, and he was dressed in a suit. Yeah, and she was saying she was saying like. She's like, he didn't say anything to me, but it was just the presence that he kept that, that uh, you know, communicated uh, something to me uh, of, of, like, evil or foreboding. Yeah. Um, and then she's uh, she said something that I thought was very, um, it was very millennial sounding. She goes, I felt almost harassed by his presence. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, that, that's triggered. Just, yeah, triggered. Yeah, that just, that's me. Um uh, you know, that just that sounds like such a millennial thing. Like, like I, I just felt harassed by his presence. Like, I feel like that's, uh, you know, something that that is is kind of thrown around all the time now. Um, He's sexually I, harassing me with his eyes underneath his sunglasses. <laughs> I mean, just, just I mean, it's hard for me to even do the podcast knowing that Mike is a white male who is heterosexual. That offends me beyond <laughs> anyone's belief. It's hard for me to get past that. I somehow do it every week. I Wait, don't know how. Aren't you a white male? <laughs> what? No. No, it's not true. It's not true. Oh, damn it. It sucks. But yeah, no, that was crazy. It's not that bad. <laughs> it's not that bad. Oh, man. I could like get into so many like uh, politically incorrect jokes right now, but uh, I'm not going to. 
Yeah, it was crazy, the Men in Black segments, uh, but, you know, it, it was interesting. It's nice to know that there's a li- there might be some sort of actual basis for something like Men in Black, the movie franchise. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's another movie, too, with the Men in Black. I think it's called The Shadow Men. It's a low, lower-budgeted movie. It's got Eric Roberts in the cast. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I'm curious about it because it's another Men in Black movie, but it's more along the lines of, okay, aliens who are masquerading as human beings and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it sucks. I kind of thought that we'd be able to squeeze a little bit more juice out of this one, but I don't really know what else to say about it. I mean, I, I, I you know... I think that there's definitely... Do you believe the Men in Black? Yes, do you believe they I, exist? I, I do, just from watching more kind of credible stories like uh, the UFO Odyssey, where you had the radio DJ in Nashville, I believe, or no, Withville, Kentucky. Uh, that, that, yeah. That's what, that's becoming like a close uh, second to one of my favorite UFO um, stories. Um, you know, just the harassing phone calls the guy got um, it, from that old timer who used to be involved in the government and how he's saying, like, they'll get you, you know, any way they can. They'll put, um, you know, chemical, they'll use chemical warfare. They'll put it on your doorknobs. They'll put it on your ste- steering wheel. My son died of leukemia. I watched him die because of this, that, and the other. And basically implicating that the, the government can actually do this stuff to you. And, uh, and, and even after talking to Don Devereaux on episode number 19, which you guys should all go listen to because I don't think people remember that I even did that, but I totally did. Um, you know, Don Devereaux was t- even telling me about how, um, you know, when, when the pe- people were after him, it was the mafia and all that, but they were going to make it look like an accident. They were going to make it look like, uh, you know, a pedestrian or not a pedestrian, but a, a driver, like someone driving a car down the road, they were going to just accidentally hop the curb and run them over or something like that. Just something to make it look like an accident. So these kind of things happen all the time where it, it's an apparent accidental, you know, manslaughter kind of thing, but it was totally on purpose. Or if, if you're talking about chemical warfare, uh, you just get some kind of disease and drop dead, and you know nobody re- it really questions how it uh, could happen because, I mean, I don't really hear much of like the government having the ability to give people diseases um, or doing that, but I know they have the ability to and could, I'm sure, after learning about this twenty six thousand pound bomb that they just had chilling in a warehouse for a decade and they just (laughs) unloaded it on uh you know afghanistan um Uh so they got all kinds of tricks up their sleeve so you know having an agency out there to control uh information uh absolutely Uh, i absolutely believe in that do i think that um i think on the men in black segment they had this one guy in there who was talking about how it's either a government a secretive government agency uh, it's uh, aliens, or it's a combination of the aliens working with the government, um, you know, to control the information, which I thought was absolutely ludicrous to think that aliens would be like, you know, exactly. com- coming into like the, uh, you know, in was that in Virginia, Langley uh, it, uh, <laughs> base in Virginia, wearing like, I'm just a, imagining that, wearing like a suit and a cup of coffee, <sighs> like, hello, my name is Zorg. Uh, so what's on the agenda for today? Oh, well, we're trying to shut some people up in, uh, you know, wherever the hell, because they said they saw, you know, one of you guys flying around outside trying to probe them. 
darn it, I told Zorg Jr. not to fuck around with my saucer when I'm at work. I don't know why he's talking <laughs> like that. I don't know. That's just a popular culture thing. Okay, sure. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I think it's uh, a human agency that does control the info, and it is clandestine. But do I think it's uh, alien beings? No. I don't, I don't know if we are actually communicating with them on that level yet, so... Yeah, I, I don't think it's alien beings uh, masquerading as humans either. Um, but, uh, you know, it might be a clandestine group. But part of me is thinking this might have been something that was more common in the 50s, 40s, and 60s type that that uh, era. I mean, look at how people are saying the men in black look. I mean, they're all spiffy dressed and stuff like that. I think maybe if the men in black still exist, they don't dress like that anymore. Because it, it just makes them stand out like a sore thumb. Yeah, and I mean, you know, no one's going to want to answer the door if you're dressed like a man in black because they're going to think that you're a Jehovah's Witness and they don't want to know about the Watchtower or hear about, no. uh, you know, your Jehovah's Witness sales pitch. Not that there's anything wrong with that, people. I'm just saying, by and large, people usually don't answer the door if it's a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, Jehovah's Witness has never knocked on my door, though, I will say, the whole time I've... Uh, I've had them do it, and I've answered the door and probably shouldn't have. But it's just frustrating because we have a sign that says no soliciting. I mean, but, you know, people, people just don't read. Or they don't care. Yeah, don't care is probably more like it. I had this, dude, I had this guy come up to my house a few days ago, and he knocked on my door. He was a nice read. Nice, nice re- God, the, what the fuck is with the inability to pronounce L's and saying R instead? <laughs> Uh, anyway, this is nice. Re- oh my God. Nicely, nicely dressed black guy came up to my house. Why am I saying it angry now? I sound like I'm some racist. Uh, a, a black guy came up to my house and I don't like it. When- no, um, he, he came up to my house and, uh, he, I opened the door and he hands me a can of Glade air freshener. That's the first what? thing. First thing he does, hands me a can of Glade air freshener. That, that's hilarious. I'd be like, I would think, I would be thinking, like, is he trying to tell me something? <laughs> yeah, we can smell your punk ass all the way down the road. <laughs> but no, I, I grab it and he goes, "Well, this is a gift for you." And I go, "Oh, okay. You know, what's your sales pitch here, buddy? Because nobody walks around giving out those cans of gold. Because I mean, Glade air freshener shit. You can't just get that anywhere. Oh wait, yeah, you can. And it's really cheap. Anyway." He was wanting me to come out to his car and look at some products that they were trying to sell. And if I did that, I could have that can of, of Glade air freshener. And I go, uh, honestly, man, I don't have time right now. And he goes, well, when do you think you'll have time? And at that point, I'm like, dude, you're on my front porch. Go, go away. Like, you don't, you're not really in the position to ask me questions about, like, when I'm available to give you my time but i you know just to play along i was like honestly dude i'm, I'm not interested and he goes oh uh, okay so he kind of like gestures his hand to like give me the air freshener back and i'm oh, like god that's so awkward yeah and i'm just like oh i i have to give it back now and he, <laughs> and he goes yeah yeah you, you gotta come look at the stuff to get the air freshener and i was like damn man that's pretty cruel <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, well, good luck to you. And I like slammed the door and I locked that shit. And I'm like, man, this is a weird neighborhood I moved into. But that I've never heard of that before. That That is. 
That's bizarre. Yeah, nor had I. That's why I didn't go out to the dude's car. Because uh, I'm not risking anything happening to me over some fucking air freshener. I mean... <laughs> oh, man, Glade Air Freshener, my favorite. Get in the car. <laughs> in the car, motherfucker. There's nothing there. Yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> Damn, if only I hadn't liked the smell of artificial chemicals so much, then I might be alive today. No, I'm sure it was fine. I'm sure some stupid crap that you're just trying to peddle that yeah. I wouldn't have been interested in. My whole thing is, like, if it's some mail order thing or some kind of thing that you're selling out of your car, why wouldn't I just go to the store that's two minutes down the road and just buy it if I want it that bad? Yeah. Like, what kind of what service are you really offering me here? Because it's not a service of convenience. Because Anyway, we're getting off topic. Um, so our next case that we're going to be talking about is Gertrude Pruitt. I chose this one because I was watching the Amazon... Uh, Unsolved Mysteries episodes, and I just fucking, I don't know, I liked this one. I was like... Hey. I've always liked this one. Yeah. This is one I remember watching on the VHS rips, and it always stood out to me. It's a fraud case. Fraud, which is, so that's good. Fraud's always And that's good. a good sign. Yeah. And <laughs> it's <horrible>. just... <laughs> fraud, that's always good. Murder, got that fantastic. <laughs> Check. That's how you I have to start it. talking. When you do true crime podcasts, you have to like change your mindset a little bit, and you have to be like, oh, this is a fantastic murder. Wait till you hear about this one. She totally got decapitated, and then they found her head in someone's mailbox. It was awesome. And then you have to stop yourself and go, wait a second. I just said all that shit was awesome. What's wrong? What's, what is happening to me? But it's like you say it's awesome for the story, you know, the tale. Yeah, well, I mean, this is this is an awesome segment because of how absurd and how hilarious it is. Um, and it, it's not hilarious in terms of, oh, so bad it's hilarious or, oh, God, it's embarrassing. It's just the premise, you can't, the premise. And it's this kindly old grandmother who swindled. All these people out of $3 million All right, total. So the segment starts off with Robert Stack um, paraphrasing here, but he goes, Even a grandma baking you goodies can take your money and run. Meet Gertrude Pruitt. That's right from the beginning. It just starts off great. Yeah, golden. Like gold is about to rain down upon me. So from 1979 until 1981, this grandmotherly 70-year-old con woman ran what appeared to be a very successful investment business in Beverly Hills. This crafty granny, and this is how they write, a, they write it on the show, this crafty granny, like that's so, that's, even they, like, even Unsolved Mysteries, even back in the 90s, they knew this was like, you know, something to have fun with. I bet Robert Stacks had to do multiple takes of this. I'm just imagining him trying to, keep a straight face while reading these lines <laughs> i just wish i could have been on the set when he when they were shooting this and see him do this live and read these lines live in yeah in, that would have been really cool that would have been so cool this crafty granny hit her seedy business activities behind her facade of southern hospitality and homemade fruit cake while making <laughs> <laughs> while making off with three million dollars of her investors money cecil truchelle gertrude's former employee said you couldn't help but like her. And when you met the woman, she was so smooth and trusting and very soft sell that you almost thought of her as family. She was a homey businesswoman, even though you knew she had the business skills. She also never lost her touch in the kitchen. I'm not a big fruitcake lover, but they were delicious, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, Gertrude claimed that her investment opportunities came from, a special connect came from special connections from textile mills in the South. Michael Hirsch, uh, one of the investors, said, 
What impressed me the most is that although the return seemed almost too good to be true, Gertrude seemed like such a loving, sincere person that it seemed like a good investment and that she could do no harm to her investors. Nothing was too good for Gertrude's clients. She often hired limousines to bring her prospective clients to her posh office building. One of those investors was a woman who had a weakness for her charm and fruitcake. We will call her Myrna. Quoting Myrna here, Gertrude selected a really magnificent um, outlie just for selling carpet. This place was two stories high, referring to the office building. Then they show the lavish, lavish office building, and yeah, it looks more like a mansion than it does an office building. She said, well, my first impression of Gertrude was that she was sizing me up. Um, and it, you know, it shows Gertrude walking down the stairs in the reenactment. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of like before she even says anything, she's kind of giving her the old, you know, looking up and down kind of thing. But she goes, Myrna goes on and says, but because she was Southern and warm, she's said, I forgot all about the fact that I was being sized up and I was just brought into her world of how bright she was and how able she was. I originally invested about $20,000, but as I watched the operation, from the balance sheets that were coming out monthly and that people were getting their interest, I invested more. Gertrude really hand, she really was the office. She was out there working every day, early in the morning until very late at night, handling the customers, handling the money. And Harold, he was in his office, but he was, you know, we never knew what he was doing. Gertrude's 40-year-old son Harold was her partner in the business, but had very little contact with the clients. He was a towering, unpleasant man, a stark contrast to his mother. And now it goes back to uh, Cecil saying, uh, even though I was their banker for two and a half years, I never even really met Harold for the first year and a half. He was kind of the person who you would not have trusted, you would not have trusted or, or bought a car from, you might say. Myrna invested $100,000 before she had her first inkling that something was wrong. Jeez, $100,000. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of cheddar. Yeah. So she's saying, sick as I was inside, uh, you know, about this feeling that she was starting to get that something was wrong. She goes, I was still playing it as a friend, as a friend, which I thought she was. It was impossible for Myrna to believe that Gertrude could con her. So instead of pressing the issue, she took a fruitcake and accepted a lunch date. <laughs> It's just the fruitcake. I mean, that's one of the things that just stood out the most to me about this. It's just how many people just loved her fruitcake. I mean, that must be some fruitcake. I mean, I don't like fruitcake at all. Nobody so. likes fruitcake. It's one of the most despised yet continued to be made products out there. I mean, the marketers of fruitcake did a really bang up job back in the day because God damn it, if that stuff still ain't around. Yeah, because they, they think it's a holiday tradition, and it is for a lot of families, but it's one of those things that's like, yeah, it's kind of like daylight savings time. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's something we have to do, but does anybody really like it? Exactly. So in the in the reenactment, she, uh, she goes into Gertrude's office, and she's like, my check bounced. What the fuck? Well, she didn't say what the fuck. She's like, oh. <laughs> <It's just> an- <laughs> That would have been hilarious. <laughs> they never cuss on the show except that one time only where she goes into the office. She goes, my check bounced. What the fuck? <laughs> and then they never swear a single time after that. Just that one weird <sighs> random time they write that line for her. 
But uh, mm. Gertrude was like, oh, no, it's okay. It, uh, I have a check coming tomorrow, blah, 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 blah. So that's when she... Have a fruitcake, dear. You're right. <laughs> Myrna's bad check was not the only one. The Pruitt switchboard was jammed with angry callers. Both Gertrude and Harold made themselves scarce. Finally, employee Cecil Truchel secretly contacted the Pruitt's accountant and received a rude shock. The financial statements the Pruitt's were showing investors were completely different than the accountant's records. Quoting uh, Cecil here, It was at that particular time that I knew there was serious problems, and I just didn't know where they were stashing the money. So at night, sometimes between the wee bitty hours of three, 1 and 3 a.m., I made midnight raids. I found every canceled check, every statement that had been paid, removed everything out of the office, and by the end, I had about four cardboard boxes of papers. Because Cecil's friends and family invested heavily with the Pruitts, Cecil confronted Harold with the evidence. That's kind of great. So what, if his friends and family didn't invest, he wouldn't have said shit? Anyway, Cecil goes... Um, he, referring to Harold, the son, the other business partner... He told me all of the people had done nothing but made investments, and there was a risk to be made. And I looked to him and I said, Harold, they made an investment on a pack of lies that you sold to them, and that's called fraud. Cecil reported the Pruitts, but they had disappeared along with the money. Three years later, the FBI tracked down Harold Pruitt and brought him to trial. None of the investors' money was recovered. Sweet, mother Sweet motherly Gertrude was never found. Based on the trial testimony of 10 victims, Harold was convicted on 20 counts of mail fraud. And then there's an update. Gertrude Pruitt has been captured. Minutes after the segment aired, she was arrested at a Bakersfield, California residence as a housekeeper named Martha Gray. She pleaded to eight counts of mail fraud and was ordered to pay restitution to her former investors. Now, here's the shitty part that a lot of people don't often understand because thankfully they're not involved in these kind of things, but... I have kind of been involved where someone did kind of scam me out of a guitar. So I do kind of know about this a little bit. When somebody who screws you over is ordered to pay you back, whether it's restitution or whatever, all that basically does is give you what's called a license to hunt. You can harass them for your money within reason. You can go through all kinds of hassles to get perhaps a levy placed on their account, their bank account. Um, you can do all this and that and the other, but it's not like, you know, you might watch these shows like judge Joe Brown or judge Judy or whatever. And, and they're ordered to pay, you know, five, six, $700 to the other party involved for, you know, whatever, if they're found guilty, that doesn't mean that right after the show, the party, the guilty party just writes the other party a check that, that doesn't happen. Um, in fact, it's rare that it does happen. Uh, just because you have a judgment against you, I mean, like I said, unless you can get the person's bank account levied, meaning that money is taken from their account every week, like say they have a, a job and they make a paycheck, portions of their paycheck are taken out every week and sent to you. But that's a whole nother thing you got to go through to get that done, from my understanding, uh, which is very limited. And as I said at the beginning of the podcast, me and Mike know very little about what we're, what we're talking about oftentimes. So don't take any of this to the bank, no pun intended. But yeah, uh, you know, if these people are convicted in court uh, and they have to pay restitution, that doesn't mean they're going to pay it. That means, yeah, they were ordered to, but they don't have to. And if they don't have any money, if they've spent it all, 
Well, you can't squeeze blood from a stone, so it, it's the people are out of the money one way or the other. They're fucked one way or the other. Kind of like the log, log cabin fraud that we talked about a few episodes previously where people invest a lot of money in these log cabins that never materialized. And even though the guy was arrested, that money's gone. It's just it's just gone. And there's nothing if the guy doesn't have the money or the woman in this case doesn't have the money to pay pay it back, then you're just up shit's creek without a paddle, you know? So Yeah, it sucks. Um, but I, I still think about that fruitcake. You know, I, I'm like, you know, I don't like fruitcake, but I do I wanna I wanna try that fruit cake fruit yeah. cake. Yeah. I wanna try Gertrude's fruit cake. Yeah, you know. See if it's as good as advertised. And speaking of that, <laughs> I would not be surprised if if some of the people that asked her for money, she just sent them a fruit cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, our our uh, moderator on our uh, fantastically interactive and awesome Facebook group, Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries, just search in the group section on Facebook. It's a really great group. You should join it. Uh, Thomas Hatfield. He actually. Uh, he posts questions uh, every few days, and one of his questions was, what would be one prop that you would want from uh, Unsolved Mysteries? Um, this may not be a prop from the show Unsolved Mysteries, but I would love one of uh, Gertrude's uh, fruitcakes. Because um, now I am very curious as to what they might taste like, because they seem to be... Uh... But fruitcakes just basically, it's like yellow cake or vanilla cake with just fruit in it, right? From my understanding? I, I don't know if it's yellow, um, I remember it being more shaped like a bunt cake. Yeah. With uh bunt with cake, you know cherries. with dried fruit and other stuff in it. Um got fruit cake on old Wikipedia here. It's also a slang term for, you know, crazy per you know, crazy people or a homosexual. Well, that's <laughs> Oh, isn't it? I don't know. That's that's fruit. I think that's oh. fruit cake is like they use I I've never heard that for a homosexual. A gay person. I, I I've heard, I uh, heard it for fruitcake. You're a fruitcake, as in you're like, you're nutty, but you're as nutty as a fruitcake. Not saying that there's anything wrong with being a homosexual, and not saying that I've ever called uh, homosexual. And fruitcakes, fruitcakes fruit have more nuts. All right, let's take a look fruits. at this here. Fruitcake is a cake made with chopped candied fruit and or dried fruit, nuts and spices, mm -hmm. and occasionally soaked in spirits, aka alcohol. A cake yeah. that simply has fruit in it as an ingredient can also be colloquially called a fruit cake. In the United Kingdom, certain rich versions may be iced and decorated. I, I think the fact that they candy the fruit is what makes me not like it because it's like all yeah. sweet and gushy and like... Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I think if, no. it, if it was just like just normal pieces of fruit, maybe that wouldn't be so bad. Um, Jesus, they got like fruit cake from all over the world here. Uh, oh my gosh, it says see also under Wikipedia depression cake. <laughs> <laughs> depression cake is a type of cake that was commonly made during the Great Depression. The ingredients include little or no milk, sugar, butter, or eggs. Oh my god, because, that's so sad. Because the ingredients that's... were then either expensive or hard to obtain. Similar cakes known as war cake. Uh, they avoided ingredients that were scarce. Or oh my god, someone god, that's please, so depressing. Someone please <laughs> bake a depression cake and post it on our uh, unsolved mystery or oh shit, unsolved Un unexplained mysteries uh, Facebook group. Someone please do that. I want I want to see a, a depression cake uh, made with very little uh, milk, sugar, butter, or eggs, and I want someone to eat it and then their grimace of 
just total displeasure as they're eating it. That would be that would that would be well. And if you want to bake a fruit cake, you can do that as well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, anything else to add on this one? Well, I mean, also Gertrude herself was uh, a delight to watch in this segment. The actress who played her did a very convincing job playing this character. Um, you could see why people were enthralled by her. They were tricked by her because, you know, she just has this big personality. She's likable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great actress who played... Um who played the uh, Gertrude Pruitt in the uh, segment. They, they, you know, there's a general rule of thumb on Unsolved Mysteries, the show, and it, it, it is that um, the more actor that they show in the segment, the better they did, uh, uh, the better a job they did at acting, and the less they show and the more uh, voiceover work that Robert Stack does, uh, the shittier the acting was. That, that's always a rule of thumb. So if anytime you're watching an episode of Unsolved Mysteries and they show a lot of the actor and their dialogue, then that means that that they did a pretty damn good job, you know, with the part. But if you see the actor and they say one line and then all of a sudden Robert Stack's narration is over it, even though the actor's still talking and stuff, you can pretty much take to the bank the fact that uh, they did a shitty job. And, you know, and you can see that sometimes, especially when it's the actors or, or the real people portraying, you know, themselves in the scenes. They're usually not great. But it's weirder when they are good. Like when the people who who portray themselves, like who reen who uh, participate in the reenactments, that's weird. When they're like really good, it's almost like, were you making it all up? Maybe you're an actor at the game of life and you really did kill that lady. I don't know. Um, all right, let's move on to the last segment here, and this is one that uh, was one of our Patreon suggested uh segments here so that is why i'm covering it but i also feel like it's a pretty i mean i don't know my personal opinion of this is like it's a missing persons case like many other missing persons cases but i think the fact that the the person we're talking about which is jody who's in troop by the way i think the fact that she was a pretty young white chick um who had blonde hair is one of the main reasons why it got so much attention as it did. Um, hate to say it, folks, but that's kind of a thing that happens in the in the news. Uh, if you're pretty, well, and she's young, also an anchor woman. I think that's a, that's one of the. I don't think it's just oh she's pretty and young. I think the main thing is she was an anchor woman. She was on local television. She was on TV. People saw her on television a lot. Yeah, and but you but you know fell in love fact, with her. We've covered so many. We've covered so many missing person segments, and if it's a of pretty young female uh there's all that's always mentioned by the people in the story like she was so pretty and she blah blah blah. like that's like yeah kind of meaningful character trait in someone's you know being and, and who they are like that means anything you know that's just what your physical description is that doesn't mean shit you know what what does that mean you know you haven't it doesn't well, yeah, when they were talking about, you know, Tammy Lynn Leppert and stuff like that, yeah. Oh, she was so beautiful. Oh, so if they if it was somebody unattractive, older and they went missing, and we and you see how those are treated too. It's kind of like like literally like like the older people who go missing, like the like the middle-aged dudes who just show, like go missing. It's like, yeah, we don't know what happened. It was crazy. They were there one minute, now they're not. Hope they come back someday. But if they don't, fuck it. <laughs> 
it's just kind of like you know well whatever but then when it's this it's like oh she was so pretty and maybe if she comes back she'll go out on a date with me you know i don't know i mean it's like uh elizabeth was it elizabeth smart was that her name the one that the young teenage girl who went missing and then was found later in the same neighborhood dead was she found dead no she was found alive Oh, I, I don't remember. You're going to have to give me more info than that. It might not be Elizabeth Smart. I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, folks, I apologize. But I, I know it was a fairly recent case. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to be all like racial or PC or whatever the fuck you want to call it when I say, oh, she was white or whatever. But I mean, it just it's kind of a st- statistical thing in the news. If you want to go look it up, you can. Um, or it might not be true. Again, that's why I made that statement at the beginning. I make statements. Sometimes they might not be true. Just have a disclaimer that says, you know, we could be, uh, theoretically speaking, talking about a bunch of bullshit. So um, Right. I just... mean, this could be an all an act where me and Mike are just playing characters right now who are way dumber than we actually are in real life. I mean, that's not what it is, but it could be, though. So keep that in mind. Uh, keep in mind that Jesus is watching. Um, that was weird. Anyway. Uh that was weird and creepy. Isn't that a song? Isn't that an old religion? Keep in mind that Jesus is watching. I've never heard that song. Which is weird because you're like super religious and you know all the Christian songs. No, I don't. Exactly. But I mean, that song though, even if I had heard it, I'd remember it because of how creepy that song is. <laughs> and just imagine that. Keep in mind Jesus is watching. God, I hope like not all the time. Out your bedroom, at your bedroom window. <laughs> Jesus, could you could you turn your head for like two seconds while I change? For the love of God, I mean you. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Jody, who's intrude, everybody? I'm sorry, we're both a little slap happy tonight. It's Friday, and you know, whatever. A little 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 silly, sillier on this podcast than we might normally be. Um, I think that makes it better. And you know what's funny is. <laughs> Even now, I'm still going to have to rush to a gig after this. I swear it never ends because I've got yet another gig tonight, but this is at a different bar. Jody Who's in Troop. Mason City, Iowa is a quintessential small town, but since June of 1995, this homespun hamlet has been in mourning. Yellow ribbons everywhere symbolize that hopefully someday one of Mason's most popular residents will be back. Jody Hoosentroot moved to Mason City in late 1993 and quickly became an active member of the community. She had many friends and no known enemies. The day that she vanished, she was scheduled to work her regular shift on the morning show. When she didn't arrive on that particular time, producer Amy Coons recalled her, or she called her apartment, not recalled her apartment, she called her apartment. Quoting Amy here, she said, Everything sounded normal, just like I had just woken her up. She goes, What time is it? You know, I said, it's about 10 till 4. You need to come into work. She said, how much time is left to produce on the show? She was thinking the same. You know, she was aware. She just didn't have enough time to get into work. When Jody didn't show up by airtime, Amy anchored the noose. um, And then she sent the first available person to go check on Jody. I was halfway mad because I had to do all this stuff by myself. I was halfway worried because I thought, geez, what if she's laying in her apartment bleeding? Like maybe she hit her out in the bathtub or something. But never once did I think someone nabbed her outside of her apartment. Never once did I think that. Investigator Frank Stearns, keep this guy's name in mind, that Jesus is watching. Um, Investigator Frank Stearns said, 
The uh, officer arriving at the scene observed several of Jody's personal items around her car. A quick search was done in and around the apartment for Jody, but nobody found anything. End quote. Then private investigator Patrick McCarthy chimes in by saying, her personal items, which appeared to be things she was bringing to her with her bring with her to work in preparation for that morning's newscast were scattered all around her car trailing away from the vehicle which to all involved was a pretty good indicator that she was taken forcefully by that by that afternoon the mason city police launched a massive search aided by the fbi and the iowa division of criminal investigations search teams scoured the countryside divers and police dogs covered the winnebago river and its banks but there was no trace of jody who's the only clue was a white Ford Econoline van. It was a scene around the apartment. It was seen around the apartment around the time that Jody disappeared. I think uh, I think like big white vans get a bad rep in this uh, country. It's unfortunate because uh, they're very useful vehicles, but you just can't drive a van, especially be a guy, especially a guy with a mustache. You just can't drive. A, <laughs> you just can't drive a van around anymore without people thinking shit. Too many well, also, people have you can't be it. having windows that are tinted windows. You can't be driving around a, a white van with tinted windows with and a stash. With aviator sunglasses on. <laughs> I mean, I just, that's... you. Pretty, I just pictured that in my mind right now. I mean, you pretty much... If you see that, folks, if you see that trifecta, white van, mustache, aviator glasses, you might as well just call the cops right there and get and report the license plate <laughs> number preemptively. Because even, even if they haven't done anything yet, they're going to. I mean, you just don't have a mustache, aviator sunglasses, and a white van and not do some seedy shit. So this van was seen, and they felt the need to report this poor van just because it was seen around the apartment, and it happened to be a big white van. Um... To quote Pat McCarthy again, the most difficult aspect of this investigation to date has really been a lack of apparent motive for abduction, the lack of physical evidence involved in the crime scene, and the lack of any genuine eyewitnesses. It's been eight months since the people in this quiet community put up the yellow ribbons and hung up the posters. The ribbons are now tattered. The posters faded. The people are trying to make sense of what happened to Jody Husentrude. We spent a lot of time and a lot of effort talking to people who knew Jody. We've located nothing in her private life that would have put her at risk at all. No dark side to Jody. She was as real and as all-American as she appeared to those who knew her and her viewers. Uh, then Robert Stack gives details about how you can contact the police department, all that, and then this is yeah. This is an extremely short segment. Yeah, I remember that even when I first saw this, I was like. Oh, it grabbed me. Interesting. Oh, an anchor woman who goes missing. Okay, that's that's pretty juicy. And then it ends abruptly. And then I'm like, okay, it sounds like they could have gotten more out of it. Um, and I also remember her car. And the reason why I remember her car is it's a Mazda Miata. And I remember that because my cousin, he got a Miata. And, you know, Miatas are known around, you know, car, you know, not necessarily car enthusiasts or just people who it's just people know this pretty much that they're chick cars. Uh. <laughs> and so it's pretty funny that for my cousin, he, the car he chose was a Mazda Miata. And uh, even my aunts, they were all like, really, that's a chick car. <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> Uh, and uh, I remember a Robot Chicken sketch uh, 
where uh, it was had a it was a Back to the Future parody, and it was like making fun of the whole thing, or he made a time machine out of, out of a DeLorean. And so, what if Doc took that the wrong way and was like, "Okay, all right, I'll make it out of something else." <laughs> you know, you build a time machine out of a DeLorean, and then it comes back, and it's like. You build a time machine out of a Mazda Miata, <laughs> and then the, then uh, the the sketch ends uh, with uh, Doc Brown. He shows up in a Batmobile. <laughs> so you made a time machine out of a Batmobile? That's cool. Can I have a ride? No, Marty, you had your chance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at a 1995 Mazda Miata right now, and uh, it's kind of sporty looking, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really look like. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I mean, it's kind of tiny. I, maybe that's why it would have a female connotations because it's tiny and women are smaller than men. But hey, if you want, if you're a guy and you want a Mazda Miata, cool, you know, own that shit. Yeah, whatever. I'm not a big, I'm not a car guy at all. I'm all about if it gives me a point A and point B, it's got air conditioning and it has room for all my DJ equipment. That's really all I care about. Um, but I'm sure there's car enthusiasts out there who care more. But yeah, I mean, I can see why this case is remembered by a lot of people. I mean, it's an anchor woman. She disappeared without a trace. Um, and, uh, so that's, that's the end of the segment, but not the end of the story. There's a whole lot of updates kind of going on with this, but the more frustrating aspect of it is that, um, ultimately it's technically still a missing persons case. Um, although there's a whole lot more stuff going on here. Um, there, more info kind of came in semi-recently. Um, and now I'm lo- looking at uh, some sources here that were uh, sent to me by said Patreon guy, uh, Eric Brown. What's up, Eric? How's it going? Um, and if you want to support our Patreon page and perhaps get one of your own story suggestions on here, it's patreon.com slash... Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Um, so it goes on to say, uh, Jody Hoisentrout, uh, a beautiful blonde anchor woman. See, again, I don't know what it is about. Why do they have to... Well, I mean, she is beautiful. She is, I mean, but why Why the descriptions of beautiful blonde anchor woman? Like, that makes her anything special, you know? Or maybe that's just... That's... You know, when when you say that, I our mean, there's society, a certain picture. Like our, the problem with our society, I'm now imagine me wearing like a cardigan sweater, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm clu- I'm clutching a saucer of sweet tea with two hands right now, and I'm sitting in like a fucking like really comfy like. Uh, got hip, you got hipster glasses on. Yeah. See, Mike, the problem <laughs> with our society is is that we over sexualize and that we we over we put too much value into physical appearance and that's what really uh, triggers me about this article here. But uh, no, anyway, um, on the morning she disappeared, producers of her Iowa television station notified uh, the police when her missing, when, uh, when she missed her morning call at her apartment, they found um, her car, the key snapped off in the lock Blood mm. and the contents of her purse strewn on the ground. Now, they didn't mention blood on Unsolved Mysteries. They no, they didn't it. mention that, and they didn't mention the key being snapped off. Broken off. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a very curious thing. Yeah, like almost like you got the key in the car, and someone grabs you so hard and fast that you, you know, 
it yanks the keys along yeah. with you and it snaps off in the lock. I mean, that's that's uh-huh. some power, that would have to be a pretty powerful force too because keys are not the easiest thing to bend. Um, so those were the last traces of Who's Intrude and there's been nothing but questions since. Now, recently, a fired officer in the Mason City Police Department is accusing three top officials involved in the investigation of having a hand in the 16-year-old mystery. Now, this is all conjecture at this point ladies and gentlemen I'm, I'm not making any accusations this is all alleged so get off my jock if you're uh, legal in any way um well t- technically that's slander what you're saying and um you will be hearing from our lawyer uh i am i am just reporting what they're alleging on this website um so anyway this uh fired police officer maria ol oho a 10-year veteran of the Mason City Police Department has come out with allegations that Who's Intrude's disappearance was an inside job. Ole was fired by the department in early August. Before her termination, she'd already been having trouble within the department. She filed a discrimination complaint against the department in 2010. She claimed she was being sexually harassed and discriminated against based on her religion. Ole is part of a church that recently sued the police department and got an $85,000 settlement. Okay, so there's already some sketchy shit kind of going on here in uh, this this uh, Mason City or county or whatever. Then, according to Ole, she came forward to her supervisors with information implicating her own superiors in the disappearance of Hoosentrude. She says she heard from a source in 2007 who simply said that, quote, lieutenants were potentially involved in the murder and abduction of Jody Hoosentrude. She says she heard from those sources again in 2009 who were able to name names. Ole claims she was terminated for, quote, not handling the information properly. Late last week, Ole appeared to get the date of a hearing to appeal her termination. She used the opportunity to tell reporters the names of the people she believed were involved. Lieutenant Ron Van Weird um, and Lieutenant Frank, <laughs> Lieutenant Frank Stearns. Is his last name Weird? And then also... Um, <laughs> a retired member of the Iowa Division of Criminal Investigations named Bill Bassler. Now, Lieutenant Frank Stearns is the same guy who was in the segment on Unsolved Mysteries who was saying, we spent a lot of time and effort talking to people who knew Jody. We've located nothing in her private life that would have put her at risk at all. No dark side to Jody. She was as all-American as she appeared to be and to those who knew her. Now, this very guy is being implicated by this woman as one of the people involved in her disappearance and her murder. And she told NorthIowaToday.com that I just want the truth to come out. Stearns and Van Weird, Van, it's actually, it's German, it'd be, uh, it'd be Fondeford. Uh, they've been working on the case ever since she disappeared. Stearns once told a reporter he keeps Susan Trout's driver's license on his office wall to remind him of her. Mason City Police Chief Mike Lashbrook says that while he's not surprised by the allegation Ola is levying, uh, he isn't commenting specifically on Stearns or Van v- Fondeverde. There's plenty of dispute, he claims. Uh, she claims a lot of things are going to come out. Then we'll see what that is and be prepared to respond. Then there's this other kind of angle to it from uh, Fox 9 News, which is, um, you know, it's a Fox affiliate from uh, where? I don't know. I think it's uh, Iowa. Perhaps. Um, They're going on and they're talking about 
two witnesses came forward with new details that might help police solve this mystery. One has information that for the first time, it makes a connection between who's in truth and Tony Jackson, a convicted serial rapist who was living in Mason City at the time of the woman's disappearance. Disappearance? Um, and it's got this whole video on here that kind of goes into it. And now this guy, um, Tony Jackson, he was this dude who was, um, he worked at this restaurant and I watched the video and he was talking and I can post, I can post the video after I, uh, after I post this podcast, I can post it on our Facebook group. Um, He's basically talking about how he worked at a restaurant and he would meet all these women and some of them would date him or whatever and how he, uh, his girlfriend at the time, he and his girlfriend at the time were friends with this guy and Jody and apparently they would all go and hang out and he had interest in Jody and the guy thought he had interest in her because this guy, um, serial rapist Tony Jackson was an aspiring kind of like media guy like maybe he wanted to get on TV or whatever so that's why he thought that he was into who's in truth but um turns out that he ends up raping a bunch of people this Tony Jackson guy and he was apparently seen riding a bike at a certain time of night uh, around the apartment at like 4 a.m. and they're saying well that's abnormal and I'm kind of like, well, who are you to say what's normal and what's abnormal? I have a really weird work schedule. Sometimes I go out and do shit really late at night where someone would see that as abnormal. So I don't know. Uh, again, that's a, kind of an angle on it, too. This Tony Jackson guy. I'm kind of really paraphrasing the whole thing. It's, it's better to watch this video that was sent to me because it, it kind of goes more in depth about the whole thing. But that was also kind of another theory. So you have uh, serial rapist Tony Jackson... Uh, they also did an interview with him in this video and he says some really bizarre statements like, you know, it, how, how could I have, uh, raped anybody? You know, I, I work 72 hours a week. How could I have time to supposedly rape somebody? And if I did rape them, why are they still alive? You know, what idiot would rape somebody and then not kill them, you know, and let them live. And he's like uh, saying like what? weird shit like that. Like, man, you were just digging your fucking grave deeper there buddy just stop talking saying some very uh vanderverd things <laughs> yeah saying some very flonda flug flug flong very weird van weird van yeah weird. very van weird <laughs> stuff um so yeah that's a thing that you can go and check out if you want to i'll post it on the uh group there i mean i can see that being more plausible than the whole police uh conspiracy thing why because, uh, you know, he was, you know, rapist. He was in the same vicinity at the time. Um, he probably wanted to get in media. Maybe he had uh, the hots for her and wanted her for himself. And maybe something went wrong And uh, when he was raping her and then he dumped the body somewhere. Those are all good points. I now believe that's more likely as well after hearing your explanation. Because... At first, I was thinking of the uh, massage parlor in Kentucky with the murdered prostitutes. Yeah. Um, that w We haven't covered that segment yet. We probably should here in the future. Um, mm -hmm. I was thinking about that story where the police definitely were involved. I mean, without a shadow of a doubt in my mind, oh, yeah. the police were involved in that one. Uh, so that's kind of what got me thinking about this. 
and also how we've covered uh, small towns, uh, you know, on this podcast so many times, these small towns are just a breeding ground for corruption. So that's, yeah. again, why I was thinking the cops. But I don't think I, Iowa City is that small, though. Well, I think it's actually a pretty no, decent it's, size. It's, uh, Mason. Oh, Mason. Mason City. Yeah, Iowa. Mason City. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that probably is pretty tiny. But I mean, it has a TV station in it, so it might not be that small. I got one of them damn ding ding old satellites. Can't be that small of a town. <laughs> it's a big old satellite. That son of a gun. You put that on the ground, you filled up with water, you got you a swimming pool. Hoo-wee, I tell you what. That's my excitable redneck voice. That's not that's that's not to be confused with my Hank Hill redneck voice. Just trying out new stuff here for you people and thought maybe you would enjoy it. Now I feel stupid. So what you got, Mike? You know? I, I don't really have anything else to say. I mean, it, it's a missing persons case. It's she went missing. Uh, it's interesting that there were certain things that were not featured on the show, like the key being broken off, the blood that was uh, found in the car. Um, and uh, apparently this is a case that still a lot of people are trying to solve. And that's great. Uh, I hope they find out what happened to her. I mean, there's a website called findjody.com. Yep. There's a lot of people who have been interested in this case. Um, I, I remember uh, rumblings of this uh, case before, way before um, Eric brought it up. Um, and I don't remember where, but I just remember seeing it. And, and yeah, you could be right. I mean, it could have something to do with the fact that she was an anchor on the news. Um, that could have brought more gravity to it. But man, it, I seem to... You know what? I saw. I actually saw this on uh, the Investigation Discovery Channel too. This case has actually been on Nancy Grace. It's been on Twenty Twenty. Yeah. It's been on. Um, it, it was. You know, it's a media thing. I mean, how often does an anchor woman disappear? So it, it, it's. This is the woman you're used to seeing deliver your news, and and then you find out the news that she herself is on the news now, but as somebody who has disappeared. Do you think if either one of us went missing, they would report it, you know, because we... Probably not. Oh. Well, that took the wind out of my sails. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was a quick probably not, too. You didn't even have to think about it. <laughs> probably no. not. I'm just being realistic. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Uh, two uh, two uh, young men who host some dumb podcast on the internet went missing and nobody cares. Okay. Friday, uh, Thanks to the <laughs> Friday, April 14th, 2017, two, two men in their late twenties who probably both live with their parents and who are probably both still virgins went missing and, uh, police have no idea where they're at. And, um, yeah. So on to our next story. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Um, so I, I, I guess what do you think about? It? I mean, there's probably hundreds of missing persons cases, or even more than that, to happen every month or year or something like that. I mean, there's there's probably quite a few. So I mean, the news only you know they got to make room for their reality television uh, uh, updates and their updates on celebrities and all that shit. So oh God. doesn't seem like they have have room for missing persons cases 
uh, unless it's something that's really marketable or it's something that has a, a hook to it. E.T. Like, Entertainment Tonight is one of the worst pieces. Goes missing. It's like one of the worst piece of garbage shows that that is out there. I and they always air it right after the news, like it's newsworthy. You know, like Entertainment Tonight. Guess who Kim Kardashian was seen walking down the red carpet with? You know, it's like <laughs> who gives a flying fuck? But I know some people do care about that stuff. I mean, if Kim Kardashian went missing, that would be. Oh, that would be all joyous. over the place. I mean, yeah, that would be all, all over, over the place. place. That's what I meant to say. Um, so I wanted to uh, at this point. I don't know why. Um, and Mike wasn't aware of this, but uh, I wanted to read this review that we got recently on our iTunes or whatever. And if you want to go and review oh, us, you can. Negative review. It's something. It made me feel some type of way, and I don't even remember saying what what she said. We said, but I'm sure we said it. But, um, okay, yeah, that's kind of why I prefaced everything with don't be All offended because right. we're just two guys. I'm gonna pre- prepare myself for this one, yeah. And this time she's not attacking you specifically, Mike. Um, got the burn ointment ready, <laughs> good, get some aloe vera, motherfucker. So, this person who reviewed us on April 12th said. I really want to like this show. True crime plus comedy is a good chunk of my time off, and you run out of shows pretty quick. But when one of the hosts made a dig about psychics being quote-unquote worshipped in the third world countries, it drove me a little nuts. As somebody from a quote-unquote third world country, also inaccurate and offensive, technically Switzerland is a third world country, man... You're the one saying you believe in magnetic fields and telekinesis. What on earth would prompt you to crap on the rest of the world? Scientific training is actually often better in the quote-unquote non-Western countries, but perpetuation of, let's be honest, racist ideas is why my r- white roommate from rural, from rural Ohio asked me if I know any snake charmers. No, I don't. Turns out some of my American friends do, though. I had to rewind and listen to it twice over to make sure I heard it right. It's a pretty solid way to alienate listeners, unless, of course, you're going for an all-white American audience. I'll keep listening in the hopes that it's just a one-off and hope something changes. Come on, guys, it's 2017. I'd like to laugh, but it's really hard to do when you feel like a group you belong to is being attacked. Do you remember what the hell she's talking about? I don't really. When did was we? It, when did were we, we talking uh, about some psychic thing? Like when did we talk about psychics? Psychics. Be, well, I mean, we talk about psychics being worshipped in third world countries. I, mean, I didn't. I don't say anything like that. I mean, like I, I, I know. I, I, I don't think I was the one that said anything like that. I mean, in all fairness, if we were to, if we were to take a poll on which one of us said something offensive, it's probably me nine times out of ten. <laughs> but I mean. You know, if, if if we were talking about, like, psychics and stuff like that, I guess when I made that statement, I was mainly thinking of, like, um, I don't know, some parts of Africa, some parts of South America where voodoo and all that kind of stuff is really in. And, and yeah. you know, that, I mean, that, and that's that's like a real thing. It's kind of like a, a form of religion for them. And, 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 they, and, and they, they are influence. They use that influence to get, you know, to... Uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. Um, they use that influence to manipulate people. Yeah, and I mean, because if you think they that know that they they believe in this, they believe that they're going to be cursed or that this psychic or 
person has psychic abilities and can make their life miserable. So maybe maybe there's a bit of misinterpretation. Maybe, oh yeah, you said third world countries, but like I've said before, if I say anything that's wrong or incorrect, it's because I, I'm not properly educated on it at that point, and I'm just talking about what I know. I can't talk about stuff I don't know on this show. Oh, I can talk about stuff I don't know, but it usually ends up backfiring on me. Um, yeah, so that's why I try not to talk about stuff I don't know. But then if I do, then you know I can only talk about stuff that I, I kind of know. It's about what I know. Look, people, the whole point of listening to our podcast, at least, I guess our un, un, uh, unwritten motto is like, we're here to entertain you by whatever means necessary. And you really aren't supposed to take this as like a news show or like a show where you can cite anything factual from. Uh, yes, we say dumb shit. Yes, we say inaccurate shit. But we're kind of saying it like we're coming off as like this is who we are like as far as like real people. Real people say inaccurate dumb shit all the time, but they say it just on the street corner and they never get called out on it. I mean, I think it's actually kind of cool that people call us out when we're wrong because that, hey, I learned something new, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. So that's an opportunity a lot of people don't have. Um, to be honest with you, I'm not... As long as it's respectful. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. I, you know, that's all I ask. As long as you, you, you're, okay, you, you said this, but this isn't correct. As long as you're respectful about it and kind and courteous, then I, I do. I take that as constructive criticism and... You know, I'll definitely I'll be the first one to admit I'm wrong in that scenario. Yeah, but I mean, to like to like do the whole like, you know, if you only want your audience to be all white American audience. Like, yeah, course, I mean, that was kind of yeah, of course, that's not what I fucking want. And if and if if you listen to this, this episode for fuck's sake and I'm talking about how, oh, you know, a, a pretty young white girl goes missing and everyone cares. I'm not on anybody's side. If you've paid attention, I come off as liberal. Sometimes I come off as conservative. Sometimes I come off as uh, atheist. Sometimes I come off as more spiritually minded. Sometimes I'm all over the fucking map with my views on things and how I feel about things. So, so don't put me in a box. Um, you know, I'm definitely not one of these, you know, a white, you know, only wanting a white audience and all this other kind of bullshit. Come on now. That's crazy. Like that's So you're not secretly a member of the KKK? I am not. Um and I will go as far as say fuck the KKK. And then when we talked about the Kentucky militia, I went off on that angle. I pretty much offend any minority. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've offended any minority, including like white nationalists uh, out there, because I think that anybody, any small group that like, well, any crazy small group, if you're like a small group and you're doing good things for the world, you know, that's awesome. But like, I mean, you know, we j I, I just kind of shat on the Noah's Ark thing last episode. I mean, nobody's safe from my ignorance. Um, I'm joking. Well, I kind of did too. I, I think it's, I thought that was a total bullshit attraction to be perfectly honest, waste of money. And I, I don't really believe Noah's Ark is actually a thing that ever happened. I don't believe s some old guy built a giant ark and then put it, rounded up two of every animal by himself. How? I have no fucking idea. I don't even know how that's even possible. Well, not to get off on that tangent, but I mean, my point is... So, yeah. My point is, is that 
I, I go off on everybody, and it's and and it's like kind of like what comedian Bill Burr equal Burst, opportunity, kinda, equal opportunity. It's what Bill Burr said a long time ago. He's a comedian. He said, you know, people don't get offended until you hit on what they care about. Until you start yeah. picking on what they care about, then all of a sudden they get offended. If 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 Mike is uh, you know, Mike's really skinny, you know, so I can talk about fat people all day long. But as soon as I start saying, oh, skinny people look like beanpole and Mike gets offended, that's because, you know, Mike's skinny. I'm not saying I would talk bad. about That fat would never people. happen. Yeah, I'm, but I'm just saying as an I, example, you know, you, you don't get offended until I touch on something that you personally care about. Yeah. And for this, it's kind of like, you know. Well, that's offended. That's what a, being offended is. That's that's exactly what happens when people are offended by something so well my whole thing um, is is like if you hear me talking about other things that would you know it's just just know that like you know a this is just entertainment and it's 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 not you know i don't work in the in, in human resources i'm not running for state office you know i i i have more liberty it's unfiltered it's right, unfiltered folks it's uncensored it it it's part of what makes this show so much fun to do and hopefully for you guys to listen to. Right. Uh, it, it's, it, I mean, maybe we could script things out, but I don't think no, that would be as much that. fun. And also it, it would be very robotic sounding and yeah, I'm not, not into that. I mean, I can, the only thing I can really say is like, I, I, I mean, I don't feel like I've gone out on a limb and said anything like, I've never said anything to where I like felt convicted about afterward. Like, man, like I really said some fucked up shit about, I, I, I've never like, you know, so I mean, I, we're talking about controversial stuff anyway. I mean, so eventually there's going to be certain topics that we're going to stumble upon that are going to incite some controversy. That's what happens with being honest and sharing your opinion on anything i mean i get people getting offended if i just like a movie that they don't or if i don't like a movie that they really like so and that has nothing to do with any sort of potentially racist thing that somebody might have said or i might have said or or something that shows to somebody my political leanings but in reality it's not even remotely how i truly feel it's just interpreted that way interpret things however you want it's up to you but um i don't know i guess yeah. i just i just I, I, take everything we say with a grain of salt yeah and i don't want to like i don't want anyone to feel like i like don't like i i'm shitting on any non-american yeah. non-white anything i don't want anyone to think that because that's complete bullshit i think i think this particular country has so many problems i don't think it's the greatest country in the world um you know i think that we did some cool shit back in the day we do some cool shit still every now and then. We have we, a lot of room for improvement right now. Yeah, we also do some fucked up shit, and we did some fucked up shit back in the day. Like any other country or person, we're not perfect. Um, I would like to go to Germany and some European countries and visit. You know, that'd be cool. I mean, I know German, so it'd be cool to, like, practice that. But, yeah. So, basically, to sum it all up, folks, we're not perfect. And to cap that off some more, here's some uh, more negative reviews that I just think are funny to read. Um... <laughs> <laughs> here we go uh, okay. I, I got i got some more some more of my uh, lotion ready here all right let's let's go so this one's from uh K kb mac uh this one was from june 30th 2016 i hate to give bad reviews and i usually don't but this is so hard to listen to i drive a lot for my business and i listen to a lot of podcasts but this is not what i thought it was going to be two guys reviewed unsolved mysteries 
It sounds like they're recording themselves through plastic megaphones. I tried to listen to a few episodes, but I only made it about 20 minutes before I had to stop. Now, clearly, he's referring to back when we recorded our shit on our old program, Call Graph, which yeah. sucked donkey ass. And I totally agree with you, Kobe Mac. I wouldn't have listened either back then. Uh, our next one is uh, from Nick Rod 06, September 28th. 2016 and the title of this is i wanted to like this and then they start off i wanted to like this podcast i love unsolved mysteries and have wanted someone to do a podcast about the segments on there forever but the two hosts need to get better at doing just that hosting i can do with the occasional staying off topic or adding to a story with what you have heard about it but the unneeded swearing is so fucking distracting if there was a reason for it i would be fine but these guys just use it for filler. It adds nothing to the segments, and it just comes off as juvenile and childish, which is sad, because other than that, the shows I've listened to have been good. For me personally, I think the mindset that swearing alone is juvenile and childish is juvenile and childish. I mean, if you really were someone who, you know, and, and I understand people are offended by that and to each their own. For me personally, they're just words. I mean, I could see someone being more offended by that when they're younger, but when you're an adult, you've heard it all already before. So I, I don't understand why. And we're not saying things like the C word or, you know, any of that. So, uh, you know, sometimes I don't think we do it that. I mean, really, what we do, if I do it, it's because I'm pissed. I probably swear a lot more than you do. Um, I, I, I mean, it was crazy. It's like I, I, if you see some of my playthroughs and and uh, rants on my channel, yeah, I swear like a sailor. But um, when it comes to talking about things that I don't feel need any swearing in, I don't usually swear because what's the point? I mean, but if it's something that I'm pissed off about. And it's this fucking bastard who raped somebody or killed them or all these, you know, and got let off or something. Damn right. <laughs> I'm going to fucking swear. This is fucking bullshit. And some of these people get let off for that kind of shit. I mean, I, it could be like a religious belief thing, too. Like, yeah. Oh, you know, hey. blah, blah, blah. It offends my spirituality or something like that. But then oh, no, just you just offended. You just offended people again. I know. But don't listen to it then, you know, like, you know, but uh, but then again, like, you don't have to, like, leave a shitty review either. I mean, yeah, you know, you can do it. I mean, it's free speech. You know, I'll take it. You know, that's what happens. Um I don't think we swear too much, though, and I don't think we're that bad in terms of, yeah, we go, we have some chit-chat and stuff like that, but usually if I go and chit-chat during the segments because there's kind of some sort of connection to what we're talking about. Yeah, so our next one um, comes from Ha 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 Haley, and it was from March 26, 2017. This one's more recent. She sa simply says, sounds like a bunch of illiterate frat boys. Obnoxious. No thanks. <laughs> now, I will say, I, Ouch. I do, I do, ah. some, I do sometimes sound, I, like, I hear the sound of my voice. And trust me, guys, my voice sounds way more badass in my head than when I, like, listen to the actual recording. Like, in my head, I sound like this awesome, like, radio talk show host. But then when I hear the recording, I'm like, and I was like, Oh my god, the Unsolved Mysteries case was so scary as a kid. I'm all, I sound like a fucking valley girl. <laughs> I sound so dumb. Like, so I don't think you sound that bad. I, I think don't you know. sound like a valley girl. I say I like sound, a lot. 
Yeah. Um, and you know. But I, I hey, I started out like that too. So I, I'm trying the best I can to try to stop that kind of stuff. And even then I I run into that. Um some episodes I'm better than others. So um but and I know I do, um, but come on. I mean, that's just a natural thing. if I paused it would be even more awkward. This in next terms one, of a conversation. This next one comes from Milk Cowbird. And the title of this, uh, yet again, was I Want to Like It. And then they wrote, I love Unsolved Mysteries, so I want to like this podcast. As it is, it's one of my last resort podcasts due to the host's rambling, excessive foul language, and sometimes what seems like mean-spiritedness, particularly the episode in which one of the hosts goes on and on about a guy's dumb, fat face and how much he hates him. <laughs> Mike Morris, Mr. Moonface, I don't know why. The phone kept ringing and didn't go to the answer machine. I just let it ring. Um, yeah, yeah, it's free, etc., etc., as the hosts always say, but that doesn't change the fact that it is a bit of a rambling mess when it could be much better. Thank you, Milk Cowbird. I appreciate that. And I am never, unless I, someone slaps me with a lawsuit, I'm never taking back the stuff I said about Mike Morse. I didn't like that guy. Um, Moon Pie Face. Uh, next comes February 4th, 2017 by Abby Prop 7. As meh as can be. Hosts are immature and lack the focus slash delivery of some of the better podcasts. They seem like they are passionate about the stories by uh, often seem more... I think that she meant to write but but often seem more interested in talking about themselves. The icing on the cake is that they wander into areas where they are woefully unprepared to speak knowledgeably, politics, law, etc., and the awkwardness is jarring and unpleasant. You deserve better on your commute. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, I mean, that that's that's pretty that's pretty harsh. It's pretty savage there. Yeah. Definitely a savage one. But I mean, there is some tr- I mean, yes, I admit it. We are woefully unprepared and in going into certain areas. <laughs> yeah, that's but, an understatement. I <laughs> uh, I I mean, that's kind of what makes it kind of unique is because yeah we're woefully unprepared in some of these things but at least we're willing to try to give our thoughts on it um but i'm trying not to go there <laughs> trust me folks i'm trying not to go into some what just some kind of waters that are just uh you know deadly and i'm not prepared to handle it i you know i'm trying to stay away from that kind of stuff um but every now and then you just end up there and then you got to make the best of it as for, I remember that one, the whole thing where we just talk about ourselves. I don't get that. I really don't. That one I don't get at all. Well, I mean, it's not like the whole podcast is us talking about ourselves. We recap with everybody every single week to say, hey, this is what the hosts, the people that you've like grown to care about to a certain extent, this is what we're going through on our personal lives. And I mean, you know. Yeah, I, you know, I think. No, we'll try to make it a little bit more relatable. <laughs> I mean, everyone's had, you know, sort of problems. I don't know. I just thought it would be, I, I just, I, I wanted to bring up that, that most recent review just because I wanted to clarify that I'm not a white nationalist. Um, but I also wanted to. Well, I remember the one where somebody was saying that me specifically, you know, I, I can't stand listening to him or it was it Josh. It, it was you. I can't stand listening to his voice. No, it was me. That, or, that was on our uh, personal, uh, that was on our unso- yeah. Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries Facebook page. Someone said, um, jo- listening to Josh's voice after 30 minutes makes me want to circumcise myself with a spoon. That was my favorite 
That was my favorite uh, bad review ever. I I just get I I don't know I get I, I had one with somebody said something like I I act like I'm a know-it-all. I remember that. Yeah. And I've had some people say that to me before, but what am I supposed to act like somebody who doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about half the time? <laughs> I'm trying to have some sort of sense of uh, professionalism as much as I can, at least professionalism for this kind of a format. I, yeah, I mean, if, if I sound like I'm a know-it-all with certain things, that's not the, not my intention at all. It really isn't. But anyway, yeah, I think we've... We've gone on long enough. I know people are probably like, "Oh my god, it's all about you, all about this." Well, see, I just, I just wanted to, uh, I just thought it would be kind of fun to read some of the negative reviews. Now, now, you know, that's to say, I, I just read like six of the negative reviews out, out of the, you know, almost fifty reviews that are uh, like, like forty of them are positive. You know, like five stars, four stars of people who, you know, really love the show and have really great things to say but I, I just find the negative ones funnier to read because nobody wants to hear you know oh really enjoy all the stories keep it up this takes me back to my childhood covering all my favorite episodes i hope this podcast continues to grow blah blah, blah. no one wants to hear that stuff that, that you guys are more interested in the uh the drama i think which i would be i mean i don't want to hear you know that's boring but, but not to say that we don't appreciate it because i mean god <laughs> i love those that that's what keeps me going but i just as far as entertainment value the negative ones are, are, are better, and I think everyone would agree with that. But that's the end of the podcast. If you want to find me and Mike on YouTube and check out our YouTube content, um, we both have our own solo channels. So um, it, it's much like a boy band, how you have a crush on like one individual person in the band. Like um, Mike had a crush on Nick Lachey of 98 Degrees back in the day. That was his favorite out of uh, 98 Degrees. I was more of a... Um, uh, uh, Joey Fatone fan of uh, Backstreet Boys, or was he in Sync? Oh, it shows how big of a fan I am. Anyway, uh, if you like Mike more or me more, you can check us out separately, or you can check us both out on YouTube. Mike is YouTube.com/OCPCommunications, and he does movie reviews and let's plays occasionally, and sometimes he'll even try food. Um, and then my channel is YouTube.com/DancingWithGhosts, and I do all kinds of stuff as well, which I will not tell you about any of it. Um, I think that's all the plugs for this week. Am I right? Yeah, I think you're right. I did the page, I did the Patreon, I did the YouTube channel. Okay. Yeah, so sorry for the delay, folks. Um, Until next week, try to stay safe out there. We love you. Have a good rest of your night. See ya. saying oh we tried to contact the navy and, or the air force and, and the military and they were didn't want to comment about it but he just said you know he said it more eloquently than that he said, but, so, he said something to effect of um we contacted the navy and then they said try the air force, air force and then yeah. the air force said try the navy or something like that yeah it was some kind of back and forth yeah thing uh yeah i didn't have time to watch the segment um, You've seen it many times. Oh yeah, though, I've, yeah, so. oh yeah. I know, I got it. But I mean, it's just for me, it's the minute little details that escape me, 
and the devils in the details, especially with shows like this. Where well, people... yeah, the one that I remember the most, uh, the the first Ray Munez's his, his uh, recollection wasn't. I mean, he 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 was contacted because he started this uh, UFO report show on public access television, and a friend of his, somebody that he knew or didn't know, they just sent him a video that said the video showed a UFO. And uh, then after, soon afterwards, these men in black were contacting him. They gave him this document uh, at his workplace, which was looked like it was from the IRS, but it was all like weird. And then he returned home, and then he found that his house had been searched, but the video was still there. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. You can, you can save all that for the, the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Uh, I guess we're gonna. Well, I'm already recording. I have a habit of doing that, a devilish habit of doing that now just hitting record because be- <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god i didn't know you could do that mike uh i could do a better one than that because of the shadow i, I do you know are you, are you what want, evil go, looks go in ahead the hearts of men give me a clean one and i'll add reverb to it and okay what evil looks in the hearts of men the shadow knows <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gonna be that's gonna be funny. I'm gonna put some reverb on it. And shit. Uh, I don't know where I'll put that in the podcast, but it's going in there somewhere. Okay, this is episode number forty-two. Um, should we mention the? We can mention the delay real quick. I'll say why it happened. I'll just say I had the interview today. Well, no, I was gonna say the, well, I was gonna that. I was gonna say the Kelsey thing. Should we mention that or no? I don't know. I probably wouldn't mention that. Maybe we will keep that. Because is it a done deal, or do you just want to? I, I keep it under wraps. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because until because we don't want it to be past. something like we've done, like we did with the other one, and then Palmen. it fell through. Yeah. 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 True that. All right. Okay then. Here we go. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Go. Here we go. Here we go. 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 Go.